On today's podcast, from the North Walhalla Church of God, Pastor Neil brings the second message in the Wednesday series, The Tabernacle. Today's message is from Wednesday, January 31st, 2018. Now here's your speaker, Pastor Neil Nolan. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, let's go to Exodus chapter 25. Exodus 25, one verse of scripture, beginning in verse 2. Next week, I will do my best to get to the tabernacle, but we'll lay foundation one more week because if we miss the worship aspect of the tabernacle, then we're missing what God is trying to do to us. Amen? I should say invite us into is a better phrase for that because it's in our worship that God still inhabits the praises of his people. And even when we come into his courts, there is a way to come into his presence. And if we're not careful there, we cannot understand the fullness of God because just to be very frank, our attitudes can keep us out of God's presence. And that's the truth. I know there's no amens there, but that's the truth. And I want to be honest, I've been guilty of having a bad attitude at least once in my life. Amen? All right. I got a few with me tonight. Praise God. Amen. So let's read this verse together. Speak to the children of Israel that they bring me an offering. From everyone who gives it willingly with his heart, you shall take my offering. Every part of that phrase is appropriate. I know you know that. It's God-breathed, God-inspired. But every word, let me just phrase it one more time. Speak to the children of Israel that they bring me an offering. From everyone, not forcefully, I'm not a taskmaster who's going to make them like Pharaoh. I'm going to give them a choice. Other things, I will tell them exactly what I want. But for this, I'm going to ask them to do it freely. Bring it to me with what? His heart. You shall take once again my offering. Tonight, the second part of the tabernacle, this new series, is on the worship of giving. I mean, you may be seated. Now we have the children of Israel, God's people coming out of Egyptian bondage, coming out with the greatest slave revolt that anybody has ever seen. And now they're making their way out. And for time's sake, I walked you down last week of the manifestation of God's presence and have God exiled Egypt from them cut off the the past backwards, no way to retreat now. They must go forward. And even though there's obstacles, God is trying to show them, I am your God and you are my people. God is moving them out. And as he's moving them out, he has one ambition. It's the same desire that he had back in Genesis. God wants to dwell with his creation. The beauty of this is that one day Jesus will come, but the fullness of time is not in the book of Exodus. We understand in Hebrews, we understand in the New Testament where the writer said, when the fullness of time came, God therefore sent his son Jesus. At this moment, it's not the fullness of that time. Why? Because God has got to walk Egypt out of them. Hello? God has got to take all those years and say, listen, I've got to get that out of you. So before the time frames between this and the coming of our Lord, I'm going to set up a place where I can dwell with you. That's called the tabernacle. And so when God does this, he wants to dwell with his people. Just quick review. But first of all, to do that, 
he gives them some tablets. These tablets are the moral code of God. It is God saying, this is what I expect. This is what I desire. The old church used to call it the sanctification process and it still applies today. But it was God saying that when I begin to dwell among you, you've got to change your walk. And when you change your walk, then you come in my presence. And when you come in my presence, your worship is changed forever. And when your worship is changed in the presence of Almighty God, you come out on the other side, not as, as being afraid of the enemy of our Goliaths, but we come out on the other side as warriors. So there's walk, there's worship, and there's warfare. Warfare always comes after worship. Are you listening? You cannot fight the enemy until you first go in God's presence. You don't have it in your ability. You don't have it on your looks. You don't have it on your name. I don't care what your credential number is. I don't care who your mother is. You only have it because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Not your mother. Your mother may not always be with you, but if you know him and you stay in his presence and you know the voice of Almighty God when the enemy stands in front of us, we don't have to bow or succumb to him. We know that we know that we know our God shall fight for us and he shall prevail. That was last week. Now we pick up what I think is the second step. The second step in understanding the tabernacle is to understand that God embraces us as we worship him. The word worship is an Anglo-Saxon word, worship. It's not just a space in the service. We have made the word worship today fit in between 11 and 12 o'clock on Sunday morning, 6 and 7 o'clock on Sunday evening, and 7 and 8 o'clock on Wednesday, our midweek service. When you ask people about worship, they'll say, oh, he sung good. Oh, he preached good. Oh, the drama was great. Oh, the media was great. Worship is now being defined by what we do in a service. That's not worship. That is the overflow of our worship that was private. If worship is only here, it's performance. And God is never impressed with performance because you cannot have enough talent to impress God because he gave you the initial talent. And your talent without an anointing is irritating. People who think they're talented but not anointed bore people, irritates people because they think more highly of themselves than God does. Come on, somebody. I was... <laughs> <laughs> get in trouble. Uh, one time we had to bring a man in. Um, oh, I need to be careful. We had to bring a man in because he was in danger of losing his license. And Anthony, this is the truth. I was trying to help this man. And the whole time I had him in there, along with the state overseer, trying to find out the truth, he was trying to get me to book him for service. He was telling me who he knew in Nashville and who he knew in somewhere and how good he could sing and how good he could shake and how good he could dance and who he knew and how he sung with some great country singer. And I finally leaned over to him and said, brother, you're about to lose your license. I don't care who you sing like. He didn't catch it in a moment that his ministry, real ministry was about to fade. He was more called up and how great he was. Worship is never how great you are. Worship is how great he is. Amen. 
I never come and worship thinking I'm somebody. In fact, the closer I get to God, the more I cry like Isaiah, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips. See, when you're fleshly, you brag on you. But when you get closer to God, you brag on him. I feel old. I just felt the Holy Ghost. See, that's what happens when we start thinking that we're somebody as preachers. And we think that we gotta have this and that. And I can't go preach if they don't do this for me. See, when I brag on me, it's fleshly. But like when Isaiah, the closer I get to God, the more I realize I'm nothing but flesh. And I'm nothing without him. But when I get in his presence, I cry, no. Not how great I am, but how great he is. Let me push. It's not worship. It's not just space in a service. It's not just corporate activity or private discipline. Worship is who I am and it reflects who I am. Amen? Amen. Worship is who I am. I worship God not when the service happens, but in the car, in the hospital. When your child disappoints you. Yeah. When, when things are happening that you don't understand, worship is my values. It's important to me. It means that God is the center of my life. Everything revolves around him. Recently, Jessica and I had to make a decision about Aiden. And it's a decision that, that most that a lot of people would not understand. But we have made a decision that that Sunday morning is important to us. And that we're going to make Sunday morning worship the overflow of our private worship and that our children, we want them in service with us. Are you listening? It's a tough decision. We prayed, we cried. The enemy will tell you, you're hurting your child, this, this, and that. But I'm trying to let somebody know tonight, before you can go into the courts of praise, you've got to understand what worship is about. Worship is not an add-on to your salvation. Worship is the part of your salvation. It does not save me, but therefore I am saved. I do worship. I want to be like the leopard that comes back to cry holy. Were there not nine others? Yes, but I can answer for the other nine. I want to come back and say, God, if it had not been for you on my side, I would not have been here. But we're living in an hour where we have to beg people to stay in God's presence. Understand here in Exodus, this revolves around God. Just like the tabernacle was a center of activity in the wilderness, God must be our center. Without him, we have nothing. Through our worship, we are transformed. It is the doorway to another world. In worship, it changes our thinking. It changes our thinking about God and it changes our thinking about others. How many times have you, gone, uh, you went to God in prayer and you were mad with somebody? One of, our, one of my pastors shared this with me this week and it helped me because to be honest with you, just be transparent, there's a preacher that I was upset with. And, and I'm just being honest because I felt like that he was taking advantage of the kingdom of God. And God dealt with me this week. But God dealt with me after I went to him in prayer. It didn't happen in the flesh. It happened when I went in prayer. It happened when I started worshiping. Because as I worship, I recognized then that God was saying, Neil, you could be just like he is. Are you listening? 
Galatians 6 and 1. Ye that are spiritual, restore them who have fallen, considering who? Yourself. See, that doesn't happen outside in the world because Sister Lucy outside, I'm telling everybody, just not me by example, but we're telling everybody how great we are. But we come in God's presence, God says, son, if it had not been for me, you wouldn't even be here. Right? See, in worship, it changes how you think. See, in worship, you can be mad with your wife, but you get in the presence of the Lord and you realize she's a good gift. In worship, you can be complaining because you don't have this financial, uh, this type finances, but God will show you in worship what you do have and you'll come out on the other side not desiring not to have more. There's nothing wrong with that, but you'll come out on the other side saying, God, I thank you for every good thing that you've done for me thus far. And God, if I ever take it for granted again, forgive me because when I got in your presence, I realized that I am blessed. Materialism fades in worship. What's important and what's not, what's not, excuse me, is defined in worship. Just like the door of the tabernacle, we drop everything when we come into worship. We have come to a new place, a greater place, just like at the tabernacle, and we do that by worshiping. Can somebody say amen? All right, now let's put it in Exodus with the tabernacle. When we mention worship, God says to them first, he says in verse two, I want you to worship, but I gotta get you to do something for me. Now get ready for this. This is not for anybody in here. This is for the Sunday morning crowd, okay? Amen? The first thing he asks for in verse two is what? An offering. Isn't that amazing? I'm not talking about a television offering. I'm not talking about an offering to put a spa at Pastor Nolan's house, okay? Sister Nola probably would want a pool, but I said spa. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not talking about that type of offering. I'm talking about God says, stop. If we're going to build this, I've got to do something. And at first, if you're cynical, and at first, if you've been touched by the worldliness of preachers at times, this can offend you, and it should not, but it can God says, I'm doing something that you can't see. And I, I will explain it before we leave tonight because it wasn't about God here. It actually was about them because God was trying to build a relationship and get something out of them. So God says, bring me an offering. Why? Because an offering is the high point of worship. It's got quiet. So you don't believe that. Well, I think the spirit of the Lord is... You're defining offering by what we do here at North Walhalla. What you've done at the Baptist, Presbyterian, Catholic Church, it doesn't matter, all churches. When I say offering in America, we think of offering as what we pull out of our pocket first. That's not what offering is about. Offering is first offering up what I have unto God. At times, God will ask for finances. Other times, it may be talents. Other times it may be time. Other times it may be something that you have as a gift that I don't have. But to worship God, God will get you at a place and he'll say, first, I want you to offer up to me something that I need for my glory. The question tonight is, are you going to trust God enough to give your very best back to God? I believe in giving. 
If anything I've taught my children that I do not have to worry about, I want them to know that daddy is a giver. I say that not to impress you. I say that not to get anything from you. But you ask this clerk, I will never ask you to give something. Never, ever, ever ask you to give something as a church if I do not first give myself. It is hypocritical at best. Secondly, I don't want my children to be paupers. I know that my God shall supply. I want to teach them to have a spirit of giving. I want them to understand what, what he told that church at Ephesus. It's better to give than receive. Amen? A few of you are saying, no, I like to receive, Pastor. You just, just fake it then just for another few moments. It's the spirit of giving. It's who I am. When I bring a church planner like Brad Richardson here, I never ask you to give first. I give. If it's not good ground, then I don't ask you to give. Two reasons. I don't want anybody taking advantage of you. And secondly, I don't want anybody taking advantage of me. Well, preacher, that's kind of pointed, isn't it? Absolutely. I work hard for what God gives me is mine, excuse me, it is he has put in my hands and I need to be a good steward over it. And I don't want to sow to hirelings. I want to sow to good ground because I like the interest of the investment when it's in the hands of the Holy Ghost. The negative is this, that sometimes I've not preached on giving enough because I cannot stand the abuse of the charlatans, false prophets of modern day preaching who manipulate people in their worst state. A person has cancer. I have a $100 bottle of miracle water to sell you. That bothers me. It bothers me. The Bible tells me we can call for the elders of the church. You hear me? And lay hands on them. I, I, I appreciate Cleveland, Malden, Tulsa, Dallas, I, all that. But I don't have to do it. I can call for the leadership of the church. And my Bible tells me they can lay hands and the sick shall recover. I don't have to manipulate you. I can call upon God's word. And I, at times, I'm going to be honest, I've done an injustice, I believe, because I want to distance myself so far away from those type people. Because when you begin to steal from God's people, I can almost find nothing lower. Are you listening? But on the other hand, by refusing to teach truth, I keep people away from the blessings of the Lord. And God says, I want you to bring me an offering. Not just any offering, but a free will offering. Let me tell you why. First of all, I believe God is asking for an offering. Why? Because this is a foreshadowing of God giving us an offering. And the greatest offering is Jesus Christ. So this in the Old Testament is a blueprint of the way of worship. It is the alpha. This is the way. It is God's way. And we cannot make up another way, a substitute way, because there is no substitute. There's only one way, and God gave us Jesus Christ. Amen. Come on, give God praise if you believe that tonight. <laughs> Secondly, 
When we don't give, we miss out with God and with man. Malachi 3 and 10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. You know this. Test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing until it overflows. Let me tell you something. I've never been forsaken since I started giving unto the Lord. You say, Pastor, I, I thought you said a while ago, it's not just offer, uh, money. It's not. And I'm going to show you that in a few moments. But I also want to show you the relationship and giving between God and also between man. God says, if you'll just do what I ask, I'll pour it out and it will overflow in abundance. How many of you, since you've been given to the Lord, you begin to add up the blessings and you take two plus two and it equals 10? I know I have. Baby, where did that come from? I, I, I don't know. Sweetie, where did that check come from? Why, why did they give us this? I don't know. They just said they felt led of the Lord. Let me tell you, you cannot outgive God. And it's not just God. Proverbs 28 and 27, he who gives to the poor will never, ever be in want. Never be in want. Brother Neil, why don't we do outreach? Because we should do outreach. Because we've been changed and we want to see others change. And we believe that God is the best thing this world could ever give to them because if they get God inside of them, God will change their destiny and two generations down the road. But let me also tell you, the word says that if we take care of the poor, we shall never, ever be in want. And let me tell you what I believe. I believe not only will God take care of your need, but through by helping the poor, God will also show you that you don't have many needs. It's like the Christmas list of the child until they go visit one of our homes and then the children comes back in after wanting all this and their list starts getting smaller when they realize how blessed they really are. Somebody say Amen. Matthew 6, 3 and 4. But when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving will be in secret. But have no fear. Your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you in the open. Something happens when you and I trust God enough to worship Him by giving. Brother Nolan, you just want our money. I've never begged for your money. Never took up two and three offers, never will. Why? Because God is bigger than this church and bigger than me. You don't beg God's people. You lead God's people. You beg people who don't know God. But God is a big God. And I'm learning that God can amaze us. My buddy, who our, our first mission offering we've ever, we ever took up in Columbia, Jamie Barfield, starting a second campus I haven't spoke to him because I took Jess away on our anniversary yesterday. I've got a call that I've got to return his. I'm, I'm like his pastor. He's a, more of a friend. He calls me pastor. But get this, they took up $50,000 to start another campus. The first offer we ever gave as a church, we gave him $300 to start that church. Let me tell you, God can take a little seed and make it grow so big when we understand that when we give, giving is a part of our worship. Now the third part, and this is where I'm gonna preach with the tabernacle. I've got 15 minutes and I'm gonna preach. Are you ready for this? Or I'm gonna teach you, excuse me. The thing that amazes me here is God asked them to do a few things. 
but he doesn't make them. Now listen to me. Tithe belongs to God. This is not a tithing lesson. This is a heart of worship lesson. There are other things, Anthony and Exodus, that God says, this is what I want. Now God would express his desire in worship, but for some reason, God does not make them do it. He says, tell them, it's up to them. I desire it, this is what I desire, but I'm not gonna make them. I want them to do it on their own. I missed that. When I went back and read that, that's why I've got to tell you this tonight. Because you don't understand what happens when you freely give yourself to God. If your mama's making you come to church, unless you change on the inside, your mama might be blessed, but you're not. Hello? And I say that with a little indifference because I'm gonna tell you this, I've seen drunkards tithe and still be blessed if they gave it out of a free heart. I know somebody's gonna dispute that, but I can prove that to you in scripture. You understand that? God will take it, multiply it, use it for his kingdom. That that was laid up for the wicked, God will take it and push it for the righteous and bless his kingdom. He says to this, he says, I want you to give, not make them, because I want to show them I'm not Pharaoh, but I'm Jehovah God. They were slaves. They were told what to eat, when to eat, how to eat. They were told what to wear, when to wear it, how to work, what brick to make. They were slaves. Their whole life is being told what to do. And God says, I can tell them what to do as far as the cloud. I can tell them what to do as far as the manna. I can tell them what to do. He says, but when it comes to worship, they've got to worship me freely. They've got to come on their own to me. I don't want to make them worship. I want them of a free will and free spirit desire my presence. Understand tonight, if I've got to beg you to worship, your worship is not much. If you've got to look over to see what, see what Jay's doing, that's his worship. That's not your worship. If I've got to find me a prayer, that's not your prayer. If, I, if I've got to fake it till I make it, that's not going to work. Because what God is saying here, I want to show them that I will receive them not by me making them, but by their willingness to worship me in their giving. Tonight, if you really want to get in God's presence, I can't make you go there. If God asks something of you, he may not ask it of me, but I can't force you to give it. One of the hardest things for me to ever give up, and I've told you this, so I'm not going to dwell on this, and I, I'm not doing it for a pity party, but to walk away from my father's business three times, three times, that was tough. And the enemy would tell me, you stole it from your children. You stole that business from your 
children. That business was started in 1948. It was set your children up for life and you stole their inheritance. I can hear it in my ear when I don't pray, the enemy will crush me. But I know what God asked of me. I know what God expects of me. I know what I have to willingly give him. I know my time, my effort, my talent, whatever it is, if I hold it to myself, if I try to rationalize or manipulate his calling, I'm going to be miserable and my worship is going to be a fraud. But if I could come to him and say, God, this is who I am. I leave everything. I burn every pile like Elisha. I have nothing to go back to. There is no road to return. The rest of my life is yours. Let me tell you, something happens when I freely give myself to the Lord. Something happens when you freely give yourself to the Lord. You don't care who's in the room. You don't care who's watching. You don't care who's looking at you. You might just be singing all by yourself. You might be preaching all by yourself. You might be laying on the floor all by yourself. But when you come into God's presence and you freely give yourself, God comes down and something special happens in the presence of Almighty God. It is the willingness in giving to worship. It speaks about how willing you are. True worship is willing worship. He says, come into my courts with what? Somebody say it. And then he says, enter into with what? Praise. It's hard to praise God, not giving to God. Joyful, happy people are givers. And we, come on, stay with me. My time. Can I have five minutes? I want, I want to see the hand that's going to raise and say, no preacher, you can't have it. I want to just want to see. The spirit of disinterest, the spirit of this grudging spirit I can't, I can't believe they want us to help. Tonight, Rusty Boggs is fixing to leave us. He's going to Charleston to help plant a church. They need work to build a stage. The pastor's a great pastor, but he doesn't even know how to spell a hammer or what a hammer looks like. But this man does. He needs a hotel room down there. I'm sure he has the money to buy it, but he's not gonna buy it. We're gonna buy it. He's working for us. He's working for the king. He's working for the kingdom. He's representing me. He's representing you. Amen. By giving, somebody says, I don't understand that. I don't, oh, I don't understand that. Let somebody else do it. We are the somebody else. Those are the people that kill churches. They are church killers. They will fuss over $5 and miss the five million. Praise Cathedral, one of my, my close friends is a pastor received $2 million, one to pay off the church, one to sow emissions. They have been mission-given a, a church since the infancy of that church. How did that happen? Because God's a big God. God will take care of us, but not when we have this spirit of not praise, but I can't believe we're gonna bless them. Preacher makes too much, too much money. Maybe so. This person makes too much money. This person does this. This person does that. That spirit kills a church. What God is saying is, come in my presence. Pastor, you're saying that they get a raise. I've never asked for a raise. This church has given me a raise. They're, they're good to me. My family is beyond blessed. If you know me by now, you would never say that. I'm telling you, this is what happens when we give. What neighborhood can we change? 
What kid needs clothes? What, what kid needs food? What single mom needs help on her job? What, what single dad needs a new job and we can help them get on at Duke or somewhere? That's who we are. We're givers. Why? Because he gave his very best to us. You can't understand the tabernacle if you don't understand giving. Giving is where it starts. 2 Corinthians 9 and 7. So let each one give as he purposes in what? His heart. Same thing, his heart. Not grudgingly or out of necessity because God loves a cheerful giver. Too many closed fists in the church. Proverbs 3 and 27. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. I can go on and on and on. Real quickly as I close. Verse 3, please. Lastly. And this is the offering which you shall take from them. God now lays out. They'll do it freely. But this is what I want. Gold, silver, bronze, types of wood. He keeps going on and on and on and on. Where did this come from, Pastor? Probably from in Egypt, things that they were allowed to receive from the blessings because the mercy of God was on them. When they were blessed, it blessed other people. So now they have this. God says, bring these things to me. Now watch this to close. So God's gonna take their gifts, bring it. He says, they bring it to me. And then God's gonna take those same gifts to make the tabernacle where God can now step inside and they can come into this presence. God takes their gifts and uses it to construct the place where he can step inside. That's what God does with your gifts. Amen? <laughs> Tony, just, just to put a heat unit in a church, it doesn't cost $1,000, does it? God takes your gifts and he begins to use it. And it's not just the facility, but and each one has a place. And we'll talk about that as in weeks to come, what the gold meant, what the labor means. We'll, we'll talk about the mercy seat. But God uses their gift. He says to those people who were slaves, who never had anything, who never had value, who, was, who were downcast, who were nothing. God says, I need what you got. Just what you got. Bring what I ask you, what you have. Bring it to me. Do what I ask and I'll step in your presence. It hasn't changed, saints. God says to North Wahala, it's not about tithe. If you tithe a million, praise God anyway, but if you tithe a million, you tithe 10, he's not better than you. You're on the same level. This is not about tithing. I love that about God. If you tithe 500 and she tithes 100, you're not better than her. You hear me? What if you should be tithing 600 and she should be only tithing 80 and she's giving more and you're trying to fake it till you make it and fool everybody who's blessed? She is. It's not that. God says, bring it to me. And then God begins to use their talents. There are people who say, Pastor, I may not give like others. I, I may not make what Chris makes, but Pastor, you know what? I can use my hands. And at times escape, listen to me. The women started sewing. They're putting their effort into it. They're putting their time and their talent. And the next thing God is showing them, you're not slaves. You're my people. You're mine. And you are great. And you are mighty. You want your kids to be blessed. Listen to me. My kids sometimes can struggle with emotions of things because of things that he's gone through. But can I tell you, Tracy, the greatest time that I see my child be bold and come alive is when I worship. 
If I go there privately, not even knowing he's in the house, and Jay, if I go in there, the Holy Ghost comes on me, and I really pray, speak in tongues, cry, whatever happens in there, I come out there, I look in my son's eyes, and he'll say, Daddy, what were you praying about? Daddy, it's gonna be all right. He thinks, he thinks something's wrong if I'm crying or speaking in tongues. He thinks oh, so, somebody's mad at him. He'll say, Daddy, it's gonna be all right. God will take care of us. God, God will do that. Let me tell you, when you worship God and you give up yourself, others in your house will know it. It's not the amount. It's who you are. God wants you tonight and he wants you to, him, you to give yourself to him. Stand with me tonight on the house. My time's gone. Ah. Listen to me real quickly so I can move on next week. Not your leftovers. Not your throwaways. Brother Nolan, I, I, I want to give a couch to the church. I, I want to bless somebody. If you wouldn't lay on it, take it to the trash dump. Yeah, I said it. Brother Nolan, I got some food. It's two years outdated. I want to bless somebody with it. No, you don't. If you won't eat it, don't you give it to nobody else. Pastor, I just gave somebody a five-year-old chicken. It's going to bless them. I am somebody. No, you just put somebody in the hospital with your righteous self. We do that, don't we? Not us. Not the Wednesday night crowd. You know what I'm saying? It's the truth. I've seen that happen. Pastor, come by, not this church, there's another church before. They want me to come by and pick up something. Don't it wasn't even good enough for the trash dump. And tell about, we just want to be a blessing. No, you don't. You just use me to take off your trash. <laughs> now it doesn't have to be brand new. That's not what I'm saying. If your very best is a can of green beans, God bless you. That's all he was saying. Bring me your best. I'm not going to make you. But you don't understand you and I are making something together. And for where I have been exiled from you, when you're finished trusting me, I'm going to step in. When I step in, your sins shall be atoned for. Amen? That's all I was saying. If you want to get the tabernacle, You've got to worship. You've got to understand giving. If not, you won't give it. Amen? I want you to give. Listen tonight, your time, your talent, yes money, yes money, find places, find place in this church, ministries in this church, things that you want to do. We've got some men that's been giving their time and talent, running wires, putting in air conditioners. God's bringing people to our church have many talents. Whatever it is, give it to the Lord. Because when you do, your Happy Meal will turn into a buffet overnight. Father, I preached your word tonight. I hope I've done due diligence. I was amazed when you said, ask them to do it willingly. In the past, they were made to do everything. And you were trying to teach them. You got to get Egypt out of them. This part I can't make you do. Father, I wish I could make everybody worship and everybody give. There are people who struggle financially at times. 
that if I could get them to understand the concept that they're meant to be blessings to people, it's so hard to get them to understand it. But once they cross that threshold, it changes generations to come. Father, it's the same way here at the tabernacle. Bless your people. Till we come back again in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Before you go Sunday morning, we'll continue our series, The Mystery of Intimacy. I'm gonna be preaching on Mary and Martha, and I cannot wait to get here. Let me throw a couple things at you. Ruby and Ray Addis has been out. Many of you have been calling. I know that you can't get them. Keep trying. Both of them have had the flu. Keep trying. I want them to know we love them. Many of you have told me, Pastor, we call. Just, just keep trying. They are blessing our church. We all love Ray and Ruby, but I want them to know that we love them. We have about three other families that just called the day that have the flu. We'll try to send out an email tomorrow. I love you. You are good people. So good to have you with us. Once again, so good to have our sister with us tonight singing. Did she do an outstanding job one more time? On Friday, I will be traveling to Charleston to take my father uh, to the hospital for some serious tests. I covet your prayers. I will be back, barring something crazy. I, I will be back here Sunday morning, of course. I love you. God bless you. You're free to go.